This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. about you, but here at the end of 2020, I could use some joy. I could use some hope. I could use a good good measure of peace, a little bit of charity, and a whole lot of Jesus. Those words, hope, peace, joy, charity, Jesus, right? They should ring a bell. I'm talking about Advent, the season of Advent, this this season of longing and anticipation, one where we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Those words, of course, should ring a bell. We set out our wreaths, we light our candles, we decorate our homes, maybe gradually or maybe all at once, and nobody would hold it against you if your house has exploded Christmas already because it's 2020 and we all need that right now. But we enter into the liturgical season of Advent, hopefully, with some intentionality and some, some diligence, some focus, a redirection, a calling to mind of what's to come. You know, I, I think as we've journeyed through this year, when COVID-19 really began, at least here in the United States, back in the spring, and lockdowns and quarantines and mask mandates and school closures and work from home and as things have, as different people have called it the hammer and the dance, we, we, we would dance back out into daily life and then we have to put the hammer back down as cases surge, as we've learned this new balance and this new rhythm and we look to the future and, and ask ourselves, what is the new normal? The phrase that nobody wants to hear anymore. I can't help but think that this liturgical season we find ourselves in, Advent, is the perfect one to lean into with all that we've got. It's the perfect time to set that Advent wreath out on the dining room table and to sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's the perfect time to decorate bit by bit, week by week, to to get your heart and your mind excited for the joy of, of the newborn king arriving into our hearts and into our homes. I can't help but think that this is the year. This is the year where every single one of us should take a day of Advent, bit by bit, day by day, take these days and really ask ourselves, what is the Lord trying to show me to help me become more hopeful, more at peace, more joyful, more charitable, to welcome Jesus Christ into my heart and into my home? And so it's with that idea, with that that hope to, to persevere through this season that we're doing this wrap-up of our year of Ave Explorers with a little Advent mini-series. Five guests, four weeks of Advent and Christmas, where we'll talk about the themes, where we'll talk about hope and joy and charity and peace, just like I've been saying. We'll talk about the incarnation and what it means to celebrate the full 12 days of Christmas. And in this mini-series, hopefully, you'll have a chance to kind of hit the reset button in the middle of the week that we're celebrating and just listen and learn and redirect your heart and your mind to prepare for the arrival of our Savior. I think when we we talk about this first week of Advent and we lean into the idea that that we're being woken up by hope, that our soul is longing and, and, and yearning for Christ to arrive and we're hopeful and we're excited. You know, I, I think back to the fact that Advent is, is the four weeks, the last month of Mary's pregnancy. 
And you're so hopeful about what's to come in those last few weeks of pregnancy while also being remarkably tired and exhausted and worn out and maybe a little stressed and anxious and you're wanting to nest and you're having to figure the logistics of this baby's arrival out and throw in the fact that Mary had to ride on a donkey to Bethlehem and ended up with no place to stay and you've, you've got a real doozy of a ninth month of pregnancy. And yet at the same time, I'm sure within her heart dwelled this excitement and this longing and this, this hopefulness that what was about to happen, even if the circumstances surrounding it was chaotic, what was about to happen was, was a moment of hope for the world and that souls would be brought back to life in this new life coming into the world. It's with this idea of hopefulness that we kick off this Advent miniseries with a conversation with a, a friend of mine, Justina Kopp. She's a stay-at-home mom. She is a mom to, to four children, all age four. They're quadruplets. Um, and she tells her story of giving birth to quadruplets and how life changed and what life looks like now and what what hope has done for her, how hope has played into her life, both in her pregnancy and in her new motherhood and in raising four-year-olds in the middle of a pandemic, all home, all the time. This conversation, too, I think will, will highlight for you maybe some ways that you can start to foster and engender hope within your own life as we enter into this first week of the Advent season here at the end of the crazy year that is 2020. Thanks for tuning in this week. Without further ado, a conversation with Justina Kopp. Well, Justina, thanks so much for joining us on Ave Explorers. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to see you. Now, we are we're Instagram pals, so I feel like this is just a continuation of conversations from there. But tell us a little bit about where you are, who you are, and who's in your house. Uh, so I'm Justina. I live in a suburb outside of Minneapolis um, with my husband, Matthew, and we have quadruplet four-year-olds and a nine-month-old uh, Bernadoodle puppy. <laughs> I thought you were about to say baby. I was like, I didn't know oh, that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just before. No, I was not looking at once. I had a nine-month-old baby in addition to all those kids. <laughs> oh, quadruplets. That's fun. Um, that's one was, way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. So was that, I'm just, I'm legitimately curious. Was that, it just happened? Like how, how did four, four arrive at once? So I, we had had an early miscarriage, like in our second month of marriage and I have PCOS, and I did not know at the time that I also had endometriosis, but I have endometriosis. And essentially, like, after that miscarriage, like, my body just couldn't get going on its own. So um, with the help of a friendly little pill named Clomid, <laughs> uh, we have four babies now. <laughs> Three boys four and a girl. maternal babies. <laughs> well, they're, they're precious. I mean, their photo will be in the show notes when, when we post this and everybody will get to see. Um, I think I sent, not, I think I know I sent a picture of them to my mother-in-law. Like it was, it was y'all's Halloween costume. And she was like, yeah. this is precious. I want you to have quadruplets. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> time out. This was, this family's adorable Halloween costume. I'm good with one at a time. What was that like? I mean, you, you, take a pregnancy test. Yay. You go to the doctor and they say four. What was that whole experience? Yeah. So, I mean, with Clomid, there's yeah, an increased chance of twins. Like your risk goes up to like 10% or something. Um, the chances of triplets, uh, I think is around 0.3%, but there's no data on 
quads. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I'm not the only one. I will say that I'm not yeah. the only Clomid quad situation. Um, Matt and I had been married seven months mm. at, at the time that we found out that there were four of them. And so, and these were, like, we didn't have any living children. So mm-hmm. honestly, we didn't have any, we didn't have any context as to what it meant. So when we saw, like, when we tell other parents, their faces would go like <laughs> sheet white, like, oh my. And, and yeah. we're just laughing. Cause it was, it was, it was funny to us. Like, isn't this hilarious? We end up with four kids. Like, wow, it's going to be nuts. But we had no idea what any of that meant. Um, but I will say that like those, especially I always talk about like the first 48 hours were just like some of the most joyous like moments of our marriage just because, because mm-hmm. it was just, it was just pure joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're talking about hope, like it was hope embodied, like right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Because you knew that they were coming like you, like this was just like, our, like we hit the jackpot in some sense. Yeah. Well, especially because like, I, I didn't know how long it was going to take for all of this to work. You know, mm. I am a raging pessimist. Um, so it's hilarious that I'm going to sit here and talk about hope. <laughs> that, let's dig into that. <laughs> I'm terrible at hope um, and really lean into despair far more often than I should. But, and so I, I spent a lot of time like on, on like message boards and Facebook groups or whatever, and just reading like, horrible story after horrible story and just thinking like, well, that's going to be me. Like Mm -hmm. just thinking that the worst things tend to happen to me. Like I, that sounds, that sounds really like, I don't know, like I'm having a pity party, but like my dad died in a freak bridge collapse. Like who, that Mm -hmm. doesn't happen. Like statistically that's not supposed to happen. And so Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, okay, looking at these statistics, like I, I'm probably going to end up on the end where it just doesn't work out. And, or it's going to take a really long time. And so then for it to go truly the complete opposite way, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, we just leaned really hard into that joy for those, those first few, first few days before it all sort of started to catch up with us. And we were like, how much do quadruplets cost? How much is one crib? Oh, I have to buy four. How about a car seat? What car do we need? (laughs) Well, that was my next one. Did you immediately go from like a sedan to the 12 passenger Catholic mom van? Like how did that preparation work is insane. Yeah. So we ended up, we kind of took our time on getting a vehicle. Like I had, I have a Jeep and we still have the Jeep and Matt had like a little uh, Ford Focus or a Ford (laughs) Fusion. And so that's what we had. And like when the kids were born, that's what we had. We had some time because they were in the hospital but they came home so fast. They came home three weeks after they were born oh, wow. all on the same day. And we definitely did not have a vehicle yet. So we had to borrow Matt's parents' minivan <laughs> to bring the kids home <laughs> until we finally bought a minivan. But I did, we did test drive an Envy um, when I was extremely pregnant. And I was like, you know, I just don't know if this is the look for us right now. I just, I don't know. I'm so short. <laughs> Those things are huge. They're giant. Yeah, a minivan. The, the Sienna is more of my style right now. Yeah, rocking that. Well, so these kids come home. Life looks vastly different with just one baby. You've got four at a time. Um, I'm assuming that meant, like, you were not going to be working anymore. I, I hope Matt took some time off <laughs> to did, kind of yeah. figure out how to feed these kids. But let's dig into that. You, you called yourself a perpetual pessimist. Was there kind of a moment in all of this where 
your faith was challenged or maybe even, and we're going to shift to talking about Advent, like you knew you needed hopefulness maybe more than ever before. I would say that that moment sort of happened during the the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I would say that that shift, that hope shift happened during the pregnancy. Um, I'm also very stubborn. So (laughs) I read statistics on, on quads and you know, it wasn't looking good for for us as, as just with PCOS, mm-hmm. especially like having low progesterone and everything. And, um, but I don't know, just being, I found out that I was pregnant, um, around the feast of the, uh, annunciation. Mm-hmm. And so my due date was in early December. And so it was like, I was doing this like really long advent. Mm-hmm. The kids ended up being born in October, obviously, cause they were early, but it, I, I looked at it as like, okay, like I've been longing and now I get to do this like hopeful, expectant longing, you know, like Mm. where I'm, I'm, I can feel it growing and have to prepare in a way that I've never had to prepare before. Um, and then once they were, when they were born and they were home, um, I don't know, I'm a firstborn child and like, you just kind of go into this mode of like, okay, like things need to be, things need to be done and things like have to get done. Like someone has to feed them. And if that means I don't get to sleep, you know, whatever, if I have to pump at, you know, one in the morning and then four in the morning, like it just has to get done. Um, and there, I mean, we had, especially that first year, we had so much to like lean on mm-hmm. and so much around us, like supporting us. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was that, that first year exists in this like little shiny bubble like part of it I can't remember you know because right but it was a really like just it just glows like it's it's kind of like from that movie inside out like the 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 uh, memory balls or whatever it's like this like bright yellow ball was there a moment in that long advent um where your prayer life shifted because I feel like when I know when I'm pregnant I I'm intentionally praying for the baby I'm intentionally praying for everybody around to like you know, I'm intentionally praying for sleep, but there was there like a specific intention that was coming to light during all of that? I would say I leaned on Mary really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously she didn't have quadruplets, but I would say that the weight that she carried was a lot heavier than the one that I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I just, I really leaned on her. And before I got pregnant, I, I, said to my sister-in-law, I was like, Our Lady of Guadalupe is hardcore stalking me. Like, she's Mm -hmm. finding me everywhere. And, I mean, we did make a pilgrimage to the shrine since we live near it, um, to the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, But I asked her to to bear this trial, like, patiently and, like, to just persevere. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I mean, you've had, you've had babies. Like, it, they're heavy and your body goes through these like insane changes and you look in the mirror and you're like, wow, this is incredible, but oh my gosh, what, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And especially cause I had four of them, like my body felt like it was being like ripped in half, like, especially towards the end. Um, but to just like, I had the image, the image that keep, like, keeps coming to my mind now, but also kept coming to my mind then was like Mary, like very pregnant, on a donkey, you know, getting rejected as she's like, I need to have this baby. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm like, if she can do that, I can do this. I can like go up this flight of stairs that I have to, or get in, get in and out of this car, even though it feels like my pelvis is going to like explode. Like <laughs> I can, I can do these things. Yeah. Um, but I also, the other thing was that I really wanted to, I really saw, <laughs> saw it as like, I was carrying like these four individual worlds. Like, mm. yes, they're, you know, siblings and quadruplets and, you know, there's that, but there are these four very distinct people. And so like praying for them and getting to know them, I feel like um, praying for them as like individuals really helped me to get to know them before they were even born. So that I had Mm -hmm. like no doubt in my mind, like, oh, this kid's name is going to be this because I I could just, I could just feel it, you know? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, I'm thinking like now and seeing your pictures of them, they all seem so unique and distinct. I hope you're enjoying this conversation about hope with Justina Kopp. You can find more resources to help you journey through Advent with intentionality down in the show notes. There's a link you can follow that'll bring you straight over to a page of nothing but Advent resources over at AveMariaPress.com. Reflection books, videos, eBooks, things to really help you walk through this season and to lean into the hope of Advent here in 2020. Okay, back to the show. Tell me a little bit about what a household looks like with four at a time and and not just like tell me like what the kids routine is but how do you and Matt make time for yourselves to pray to connect to grow in virtue yourself so that these kids can grow in virtue but when I know what the chaos with a three-year-old and a a nine-week-old is again I'm just I'm impressed that you can handle four at the same time but what does that kind of look like and what does your faith life look like today I okay so in the in the beginning, especially we were before they were even born. One of the really alarming things that we kept seeing, cause I joined a uh, Facebook group for quad moms and then mm-hmm. Matt joined the one for quad dads. Uh-huh. And then I also joined like my local Minneapolis moms of multiples group. And one of the things that just like that broke my heart so much was seeing like the rate of divorce mm-hmm. in those groups. And then like reading statistics on like, parents who have multiples, like the, there just seems to be like a, an increased risk of divorce with that. Um, I'm like, yeah, cause it's, it's really hard. Like yeah. it's, it, like I, I say that I'm, I am scared more. I would be more scared of having like one at a time. Cause I don't know what that's like. I'm like, <laughs> how do you decide to have another, like you have like this, like leaking infant and then like also a toddler who wants to like draw on your walls. Like, how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> You just let them draw like, and you clean it up later. <laughs> yeah. But now I have like four graffiti artists, you yeah. know, that are all doing the same thing. And I like, at least they're all sort of on the same page, but there's like so much strain there because you can't give the individual attention that you want to. And everything is just like at volume 100 and then some like all the time. Um, and so one of the things that Matt and I seeing that got obviously very terrified. Like mm-hmm. I don't want this to be our reality and I don't want to lose sight of one another. Like I, I loved that, especially when they were so tiny that I could look up from like changing a bunch of diapers or feeding them all. And like, it was Matt right there that like Matt was there and Matt was like experiencing the difficulty right there with me. And that Matt understood when I would talk about, you know, oh, it's really annoying that like, Raph just won't, like, he just can't fall asleep the way that the others will, or noticing different things in kids, like, Matt could see it the same way that I did, Mm -hmm. and we made a point of going out very regularly for date nights, and, like, Mm -hmm. very intentionally, 
in the before times, like going <laughs> out of the house, like yeah. to leave the chaos. Like now it's tough because, you know, the world's on fire and it's <laughs> better to stay home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, I mean, I will say that like, it hasn't been as great as before because mm-hmm. you don't get that, that it's harder to get that sort of separation. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, but we will still like, make the kids a dinner and then order ourselves like mm-hmm. the takeout that we want or um watch shows together or whatever but our the my favorite thing that we did when we were when the kids were it was like before the pandemic we taught RCIA for two years together oh, wow. yeah at the place that I was a campus minister at mm-hmm. so we got to go back to that campus and it was really cool to just see like where it was at after leaving but teaching the faith together Oh man, if you mm-hmm. ever get an opportunity to do that with your spouse, it is incredible. Cause then yeah. you get to hear what it means to them. Like not only like, like factual things, but then just to hear them speak about how the spirit moves in them and what Mary means to them or who they admire and why they admire them. And you know, what does, what does virtue, what, what virtues do they, are they really seeking and what do they struggle with? Like you get to hear them explain this in a way where they're it's not like rcia is like a giant sales pitch but you're like you're trying to convince you know you're like yeah guys like this is the truth and i want you here i want you to join this and here here's why and so you're like pouring your heart out in in a way that like i would never have gotten to see that you mm-hmm. know um so yeah that was i think that was my i i, I have no regrets about doing that <laughs> yeah well it sounds like a source of hope in your life is your spouse in, yeah. in this, I mean, and that's when we, we place our hope, obviously, in God, like we place our trust in his promises and we hope for what he has promised, but that comes to light in people, comes to light in relationships that we have. Yes. Um, how do y'all think you're going to live that through Advent? I mean, we're in this first season of Ad, first week of Advent. The theme is hopefulness. What are some hopeful things or hope-filled things that you're doing with your kids, with your spouse, on your own to really enter into the season in this weird year? So I, for the first time ever, started decorating for Christmas in November. <laughs> Welcome to the club. It. So did I. <laughs> it, I've never done this and it felt weird, yeah. but I knew I needed it because mm-hmm. I, I needed something to like, to look forward to. And I'm, I'm still trying to be as deliberate as I am in other years about it. Like, um, in the, in prior advents, what I would do is like, if we put the tree up, you know, after Thanksgiving or like right before like that first week of Advent, I had a very strict rule of like, okay, we're not putting ornaments on it though until Mm -hmm. like the pink candle is lit. Like, so, so then you're still, things are still building, you know? And so this is the first year where I really feel like I can get the kids to, you know, sit down and do an activity with me. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to, you know, make little like Advent wreaths with their hands and candles and stuff. And, um, and walk through it with them because like, I mean, what is more hopeful than a child? You know, they are always looking forward to something and they are always like, they're always looking for goodness and always like expecting goodness, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I, I'm really grateful that for a whole host of reasons, I'm really glad that they're like toddlers during all of this. I'm really glad that they're four in in all Mm -hmm. of this because this is such a, it's challenging age, but it's a really fun age. And I, I learn so much about like 
what it means to like lean on Mm -hmm. God, just from watching them like lean on me, but also their little tiny prayers. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Their little tiny prayers. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited to do it and, um, teach them, teach them little, the pass on traditions that I grew up with and, and do it, do it with them. I feel like, uh, in previous years, like we, it was really hard to like be super intentional about like mm-hmm. sitting down and doing the advent wreath because someone was always crying and someone always needed a bottle and, you know, it was right. really chaotic, but I feel like now we're, we're kind of at a place where, um, our schedule allows it like yeah. where the, that visibleness, we can show them that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the rhythm and routine of it. We, we yes. got yeah. Rose, a little, little people nativity set. Yes. Um, and I pulled it out earlier. I was like, you know what? She gets to play with it now. Like this should be something that we always have in the house. And she actually yeah. was playing with it. Like she knew who Jesus and Mary were. She, you know, she wanted bad guys to come. And so then we were like, <laughs> well, the bad guys can be converted. And so then it, you know, and it, it wandered from there. Tommy and I's teacher background gets the worst of us sometimes. <laughs> because we, we try to teach her like we taught freshmen, but yeah, like there are intentional things that you can do. Um, so on our other podcast, Ave Spotlight, we always end with a question and it's what's a reason for your hope. And so for this Advent mini series in the Ave Explorers podcast, I guess my question for everybody is going to be, what are you most looking forward to in the new year? Um, cause Advent is essentially a liturgical new year, right? We're restarting our calendar year, but also 2021. I think a lot of people have hopes for that. So what are you maybe looking forward to? And that can be liturgical or secular calendar new year. Um, that's interesting. I, it's okay. So winter is always hard for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm trying, my friend Jackie is really trying to get me to love winter (laughs) or at least not hate winter. And I think when I, whenever I think of like a new year, I, it's hard because like our new year starts in the dead of winter, you know, Mm -hmm. it starts like when it is so cold, like even the liturgical new year starts like when it is so cold or it's getting colder and then days are getting shorter. And so I I guess I'm looking forward to like the sun coming out again, like where it's, you know, getting warmer and all of that. Um, I, I just, especially with the pandemic and everything, like I hope just looks different this year, like Mm -hmm. just hoping that we can unite and set our, set ourselves aside for, for the sake of like each other that like Mm -hmm. we can, we can put one another first and like really uh, lean into some like Christ-like love. And uh, I guess that that would be my hope that we, we've lost so many people and our, it's, it's kind of hard to kind of hard to fathom all of that. But I, I hope that like going into this holiday season, especially like walking through Advent doing Christmas. Christmas is going to look weird for a whole Mm -hmm. host of reasons, whether you've like lost someone or you're isolated from people, like it's just going to look weird. But I I think, um, looking forward to like, it's not always going to be like this. It's not Mm -hmm. always going to be this kind of hard, like life's always going to be hard, but it's not always going to be this kind of hard. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I think that there's something, there's something there. Yeah, Um, absolutely. For sure. Justina, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Uh, Where can we follow you? Uh, just follow me on Instagram. I tried the blogging thing was not my thing. Um, so I do micro blogging yeah, yeah, it's a um, thing. on Instagram. Um, you can follow me at Justina cop. Great. Well, we will have that down in the show notes. Thanks so much for t- taking the time and, uh, have fun with the four of them today. Thank you. 
Hope isn't easy. We have to we have to lean into it. We have to embrace it. We almost have to hit the hit the ground running every morning and say, I'm gonna be hopeful. I'm gonna hope that the baby sleeps in her crib. I'm gonna hope that my husband gets home from work on time. I'm gonna hope that my child behaved at school. Those are the hopes maybe that I'm holding on to <laughs> throughout the course of my day. And I, I, I would ask you here at the end of this first week of our Advent mini-series to just think about maybe what are some things that you hope for this December, this Advent, here at the end of 2020. What is it that you're, you're longing for? What promise of God's are you resting in? Are you holding on to? How, perhaps, is the hopefulness of Christ's promise spurning you on? as you're making preparations for Christmas, as you're planning a menu or decorating a home or figuring out travel plans in the middle of a pandemic, what hope do you cling to? And how is that hope giving you hope? How is that hope providing some stability? These conversations uh, in our Advent mini-series are something that we're really excited to have. We've got future episodes that I think are really going to move your heart. We've got a conversation with Bishop Bill Walk, the Bishop of Pensacola, Tallahassee, about um, peace. We have a great conversation with Haida Marie Peterson um, from Reliquary Supply about charity and, and just other snapshots of, of what the Advent season is going to be about. So I hope that you subscribe, of course, to Ave Explorers and listen to our Advent miniseries. We, of course, also want to remind you that we have a year's worth of episodes. We're up to 65 episodes of Ave Explorers, all available to you on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. We've hit 100,000 downloads, which means 100,000 plus times people have listened to this show. And, and we think we've created something really beautiful and good. And so we hope that you'll go listen to it. We hope that you'll give it a rating and a review that you'll share with other people. Uh, the remarkable things that we've talked about, the stories that we've told, the voices that we've amplified. And we'd be super grateful if you'd go over to Instagram. You can actually follow the link down in the show notes and follow Ave Maria Press on Instagram. You'll find exclusive content, daily saint quotes and reflections and advertisements about books, of course, because that's what we do. We create really great Catholic books. But our, our Instagram page is a source of really cool things that I think will brighten your feed as you scroll throughout the day. So go give us a follow on Instagram. Give us a rating and a review here on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for a conversation about peace. Have a great week.